Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Metcast, the podcast of Manchester Metropolitan University. In this episode, we continue our coverage of this year's Olympic and Paralympic Games with an interview with Jackie Newton. Jackie is an alumna of Manchester Met, studying for a Master's in Exercise and Sports Science, alongside building a hugely successful career in athletics. Jackie is Director of Coaching and Athlete Development for Athletics Northern Ireland and starts a new role for UK Athletics later this summer. Speaking to Metcast just days after waving off her athletes to Tokyo, Jackie explains just what is involved in preparing elite athletes for the biggest competition of their lives and how her time at Manchester Met prepared her for success in the world of sport. So I was appointed to be the Director of Coaching and Athlete Development, which is a very long title, here at Athletics Northern Ireland uh, four years ago, beginning of this Olympic cycle. And my role is, it actually goes from grassroots all the way through to performance in the development of athletes and coaches. But uh, if you were to read my job description, you'll see it's quite heavily weighted towards the performance end. And, you know, the, the biggest competition really for us as a home nation is the Commonwealth Games. So my first year here was very much about getting the team nominated first of all to the Commonwealth Games Council but then um, working with those athletes that were selected towards the Games with the team that I have here and then we also have funding from Sport Northern Ireland which again we, we, we've um, been very fortunate to have quite a big investment into the higher performance athletes here so there's a lot of work that we do towards um, not only the Commonwealth where they represent Northern Ireland but also the Olympics the European Championships and the World Championships where we we're measured against our results in all four of those major championship competitions so yeah so that's that's really um where I spend a lot of my time but like I say it's not the only place I spend my time I'm also involved at grassroots level as well yeah. and for people who who you know maybe they might tune into the, the Commonwealth Games or the Olympic Games and watch it watch the athletes competing obviously they'll only see you know the very end stage of what I'm sure is a very sort of complex and long development process to get yeah. the athletes to the games for, for people who maybe don't know in depth about what kind of performance management and that side of things involves what kind of things are you doing with the kind of performance athletes to get them to the point where they are ready to compete at an elite level yeah it's an interesting point because like you say um you know you sometimes just see the end product but actually if you knew what went on in the lead up to it it is it's it's really it's really interesting and um it really, what we do is we work on a bespoke program for every athlete, depending on their needs and depending on where they're based. So if they're based here in Northern Ireland, we have the Sports Institute here, which offers um, services such as physiology, um, physiotherapy, um, biomechanics, um, lifestyle support, um, sports psych support, other other supports as well and so we we work with the athlete and their personal coach to look at where they need interventions really uh, and where or where they need support and uh, we put that in place and then we have kind of like a service level agreement with the institute we're allowed you know a certain amount of um of practitioner support towards that athlete and um, if they're based 
overseas and a fair few of ours are some of them over in England or one one of our athletes over in the States as well we outsource um, support wherever they, those athletes are based and, and it can vary from you know throughout the year it may be that you know an athlete doesn't tap into one one area of support at, at, at some stage but as we move on they perhaps need that so Oh, nutrition as well is another one that comes in and that can be periodized to some extent depending on the events that the athlete or the discipline that the athlete is is in as well and then there's the training camps as well and they're a big part of what we do here the weather in northern Ireland is not great although it is actually at the moment it's amazing yeah. i've just i've actually just messaged um, some of our guys that are traveling out today to tokyo to say well at least you got some warm weather training in at home so, but we we organise training camps as well around the athletes. Some of our endurance athletes will go to altitude. So, um, San Moritz is a popular place that we we support athletes there, and in Font Rameau in France, and at Flagstaff in the States. So, um, yeah, so we send support out there as well with the athletes. So they have they have the support when they're out there, um, and that's a really important part of of um, their preparation. A lot of them are away a lot, you know, so they they, they, they may be based uh, here or based in England, but, you know, they'll spend quite a lot of time away on training camps as well. That's what we call our Olympic Potential Programme, the support we wrap around those athletes. And then the tier below that is our Commonwealth Potential Programme. Um, and we select athletes onto that depending on how far away from the uh, standard, the qualifying standard they, those um, athletes are. So we have less budget, I guess, for it at that level. So we tend to focus that more on centralised services. So ca- taking camps away, you know, to getting the whole squad together, taking them away. It's based on need and the support services that we put around them. But the other thing that I think we do very, very well when we're away on training camps with that those athletes and our Olympic potential will come on those camps as well at times and, and be with us on those camps. We do a lot of education and we do a lot of team building. So as, as an individual sport, people think, oh, you know, you just rock up at the games, your personal coach, your home coach, your club coach, whoever will have done all that work with you. And then you just rock up at the games and, and you know, it, it, you either compete well or you don't. But actually, as a, we put a lot of work in as a, as a team and um, work on kind of the, a shared team philosophy really on what shared goals as well of what we want out of the games and working on the getting the athletes supporting each other and really building the, the a st- strong bond and a strong connection and, and I think that's something we did very very well on the Gold Coast at the Commonwealth Games 2018 you know I was new into the job then but you know many people commented and said it really felt like a team and um they were very, very supportive of each other and they pushed each other and we all agreed on the goals and we all agreed on what our roles and responsibilities were, what the team, what the staff roles were, what we would do, what the te- what the personal coaches would do and what the athletes would do. And uh, and we had our best game, game since 1990, I think, Northern Ireland. So I'd like to think that was partly down to that, that work that we did when we were away with the athletes. I wonder if you could give us a little snapshot into what it must have been like preparing for for these olympics and paralympics in the kind of context that we're in like obviously with it being delayed not only delayed for a year but presumably the sort of training and preparation has been disrupted by covid like everything else i mean how challenging has that been and how 
different has it been to what you might have expected sort of a year out from the Olympics when we didn't know this was on the horizon? Yeah, um, it's been hard for all of them. It has, even though some of our athletes will say, do you know what? I'm just going to keep going and get on with it. And I'm, and actually having another year under my belt to get the more training done is actually a good thing. So that was, you know, the attitude of some of the athletes. But some of them kind of got stuck in places where they didn't necessarily want to be uh, yeah. away from their normal training base because of COVID. And that was really hard. It, and, you know, trying to keep motivation levels I mean, some of them didn't have any competition for a long, long time. And, you know, that's hard as well, because, yes, you have your long term goal, which is the Olympics. But you also have your little milestones on the way there to kind of monitor your progress. So you'll have, you know, smaller competitions along the way. So actually having to do without competitions and, and rely on, you know, training sessions where they'd monitor how well they were going was difficult as well but they they adapted and they adjusted really well you know we we did have a few meltdowns um to be honest there were there were a couple of meltdowns but do you know what all of the athletes that we expected to to be there are there and uh, so so they've coped with it very very well and they've um it done themselves proud really um, and actually we have got um one of our athletes has made the games who perhaps if it had been last year might not have done it get it did give her that extra year to yeah get reach the standard that she needed to be at so so that was good yeah as well yeah same for our Paralympians as well you know they they're in the same boat but I think all of the Paralympians that we expected to be there will be there so yeah it it was hard I would never I'd never say that you know they've all kind of coped with it amazingly well they have coped with it amazingly but I, I, I wouldn't say that it didn't come without its 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 difficult patches you know you know you're obviously um you know back at home with a watching brief like the rest of us to some extent yeah. like how how does it feel to kind of do you feel like well you've in your role you've done everything you can do to give them the best chance how does it feel to be to be watching from so far out and and seeing them now kind of ready to compete does it feel weird or you know are you, are you just excited just for it to finally start yeah it, it it does feel a bit strange because you do you do work very very hard and um you know put as much support in place and and uh, as you possibly can and then you kind of just hand them over <laughs> um to the team management that are out there in in tokyo uh, but you know what we have a a, a really good relationship communication with the with athletics ireland all of our athletes from northern ireland who have made the olympics this time are representing ireland so uh, some people may not know but if you if you're northern irish you can choose to go on the irish pathway or on the british pathway and all six of ours that are at the olympics and the three that we expect to be at the paralympics have, have all gone the on the irish pathway uh, and we have a good, we, we have a great relationship with um, British Athletics, and we also have a great relationship with Athletics Ireland, and that is really important. And you know, there's there's a small team of us here who, in our respective um, disciplines, work very very closely with the team coaches that are going out with the athletes. Um, so I I've been working very closely with the endurance lead for Athletics Ireland, who 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 will be looking after the endurance athletes out there, and we're on the phone at times every day. And that still may well happen while they're out there. You know, if, if anything's needed from this from home, we'll sort, you know, we'll do our best to sort it. And so the communication is great. 
so it, so it'll be fine but it is a bit strange it is a bit strange because what you like to say when you go to the commonwealth with them you, you're there all the way through right up to leaving them in the call room before they actually get walk onto the into the arena uh, but of course, at the Olympics and the World Champs and the European Champs, you're not. You hand them over as soon as they get on the plane and leave with uh, Team Ireland. Maybe we could go back and you could tell us a little bit about how you got into this sort of field. I mean, I, I know you've got obviously a, an athletic background, but how did you get into the management sort of athlete development side of things? I know you did a an MA here with us at Man Met, and maybe you could talk a little bit about what that involved and how they kind of complemented each other a little bit. Doing that MA in coaching studies at um, MMU stood me in great stead for this role. It really did. So I'll go, I will rewind a little bit before that. I mean, yes, I was an athlete myself and I did compete internationally. I didn't, I didn't, well, I, I got to one major championship. So if you call the World Half Marathon Championships a major championships, but I was kind of a lower level, sort of a, a, a more of a kind of a friendly international competitions. I would have regularly made teams there. And then I went into coaching, uh, voluntary. I actually coached at Manchester University. I coached the cross-country team there uh, and the endurance athletes for about nine years. Work-wise, I'd been a teacher and then I went and worked. I actually, I was sponsored by Puma when I was an athlete. And then when I wasn't sort of good enough to be sponsored anymore, they uh, they actually pulled me in to work for them. Uh, They kind of spotted that I uh, I was reasonably good at at working with people and, and and I knew quite a lot about footwear running running footwear etc so um, I worked for Puma for a while and then um, got more and more into my coaching and decided actually I did want to I, I wanted to work with athletes more than I wanted to work with running shoes <laughs> I guess so yeah. I I signed up at MMU for my master's degree did it part-time while I did some part-time work as well I learned so much. I, I'd gone through all my coaching awards with British Athletics and I thought I knew quite a lot about coaching when I started that MMU. And then I think even on the first lecture, I realised I actually didn't know a lot about coaching at all. You know, the depth that you go into and all the different aspects, you know, whether it's like coach-athlete relationships, whether it's learning styles of, you know, of coaching, whether it's you know, policies and practices in governing bodies. We did, did a lot on that history, sports history, did some of that. Looking at, you know, coach development in terms of mentoring, not just kind of going on courses and, you know, the the the, the pros and cons of, of the different ways of learning, I guess, about coaching. So there was a there was a lot I I really I realized that I didn't know that a lot of the psychological side of um of, of being an athlete uh, you know that that was a, a a big eye-opener for me as well and then during that time I applied whilst I was actually doing my my um master's I, I applied to be the talent coach at British Orienteering they that position came up and I got it so I went off and I did a couple of years actually they were looking for I've not got a background in orienteering but they were looking for somebody who could kind of enhance the physical fitness of the orienteers from a running perspective mm. so I fitted that bill quite well so I, I spent a couple of years as the talent coach and then I moved from there into being the talent and performance manager and then this job came up so uh, yes yeah, so I came over here and threw myself in uh, fully into this role um, so yeah I've had I've done quite a lot of things in my time I've bounced about from one thing to another but I think the turning point for me was going to MMU and and doing that master's degree and just the the lecturers that you know I worked with Dave Day, uh, Bill Taylor, Ryan Groom, 
Paul Holmes, they, you know, they just really opened my eyes to a lot more than, uh, you know, I previously kind of thought was involved in coaching. And do you find you're still kind of applying some of the stuff you learned on the course and developed on the course in your role now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did my thesis on uh, the psychological characteristics of developing excellence, so the PCDEs, uh, Anya McNamara and Dave Collins is, is the reference. Um, I did that with the orienteers that I was working with, looked at their psychological characteristics, and I kind of measured them against uh, my my squad, which was the talent squad, the juniors, if you like, against sort of the world beaters. Um, really interesting project. So, yeah, I mean, we've now <laughs> we've now contracted Dave Collins' uh, company to, and, and they're working with us here at Athletics Northern Ireland on developing the PCDEs in our talent squad here or our youth academy, which is the name we give our talent cohort here. So, yeah, so that's that's come across. But, yeah, not just that. You know, for coaches actually having to manage all of the service providers and building relationships with that. It's the craft skills, really, of coaching that I think I just didn't have an appreciation for before I actually did all of that work. And I would put that down to people like Bill Taylor and Dave Day, who did a lot of, um, well, yeah, developed a, a lot of kind of, well, I developed a lot of insight through through the reading and the and the discussions that, um, that I had in that area. Yeah. You touched on your role now and, and going forward as well is kind of obviously helping with the kind of more grassroots or below elite athlete level development of, of well athletics and sport in general obviously with, with the olympics kind of on the horizon you know we need to look back at say 2012 and the the huge kind of mass interest there was in it in this country and what that meant in terms of its legacy and helping well young people start involved in sport can you give us an idea of what that actually what that effect is? Do do events like the Olympics have a a big role in kind of encouraging participation at a much more grassroots and junior level in sport? And like how big that can that effect be, do you think? Yeah, it, it definitely does. Um we find in athletics that after any kind of major championship like that where there's been good media coverage, we have an influx then of, of um people signing up to join clubs. The challenge for us in athletics particularly is the capacity to be able to then bring those athletes through. And that is something that I think in 2012, I think as a sport, we realised that we rely so heavily on volunteers in athletics. We're probably behind most sports in terms of, you know, the, the coaching workforce out there and the officials and the committee members and everybody who runs athletics at that level, you know, at the grassroots level. Um, and higher than the grassroots level, actually, are volunteers. They have full-time jobs elsewhere or they've got families or, you know, that they, it's not their full-time job. So what we found in, in athletics after uh, 2012 was um, waiting lists for athletes to come into clubs was huge. But it needs looking at because we have to build capacity. And part of my thinking is that one of the ways to build that capacity is actually to move towards more of a kind of a well a a place where coaches are paid for their work so that they can make more time to coach because you know at the moment we've got coaches coaching kind of Tuesday nights and Thursday nights and maybe on a Saturday morning three hours on a Tuesday three hours on a Thursday and three hours on a Saturday well imagine if those coaches could afford to put more time into their coaching 
you know, imagine if we could, or somehow, I'm not saying we, but clubs maybe could enumerate the coaches that are working in the clubs so that they could maybe see it as a career. And that's something I think that really needs looking at in this sport. Yeah, and just just um, very finally, Jackie, I understand you're taking on a, a new role after the this this kind of summer of sport is is uh, mm. finished. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing in the future. Yeah, so I'm moving to British Athletics, and I'm going to be I'm going to head up um, coaching development. And again, I would I would you know as soon as I was offered the job, actually, and even before I was offered the job, I got a bit of advice from the the, the, the lecturers that I'd worked with at or who'd worked with me at MMU. Yeah, the, the the knowledge and the understanding that I developed through that really did help me to get that job. Uh, there's no two ways about it, you know, really understanding how coaches do develop, because that's what my role is going to be. I'm going to be head of coach development. I've got to make sure that coaches in Britain and well, Britain and Northern Ireland, Great Britain and Northern Ireland are developing to the levels that we need um, to be able to bring our athletes through to be able to perform on the world stage but also to bring you know the, the to, to make sure that those athletes that are coming into the sport are getting the best experience that they possibly can so there's a lot involved in it and a lot of what I've kind of hinted at and touched on here about you know club structures and building capacity in clubs for coaches and but also yeah on the actual learning framework and again doing my master's degree you know, you look at how that those that learning is built and the modules that you tap into and, you know, how they're weighted, et cetera. And, you know, that's sort of in my mind as well for this new role is we need to make the learning learner-centred, learner you know, the, the, the coaches that come in to upskill themselves and to learn more, it needs to fit with the way that they want to learn and the way that they learn best and, and it needs to fit with their interests as well. So there's a lot buzzing around in my head at the moment um, and it's a huge challenge, but it's really exciting challenge. And um, yeah, and I start, I actually start in a couple of weeks time. So I've kind of started already in some ways. Um, but yeah, after the, after Tokyo, I start with British Athletics and, uh, and, I, and I do say thank you to MMU for the experience that I had through those uh, two and a half years. That I, that I did my masters and 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 since because like I say I've kept in touch with a lot of the um, people who really influenced me there. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Metcast, the podcast of Manchester Metropolitan University. Your feedback is always welcome, as are much needed review ratings on iTunes. So if you have a moment, please head there to let us know what you think. You can also subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. That's all for now, though. Until next time, goodbye.